Welcome to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. In this program, we take a fresh look at some of today's challenges from the economy, education, politics, security, defense, and much more. You'll be prompted to see and think about things just a bit differently. Now, here are your hosts, Ambassador Harry Thomas and Chief Alex Morales. Welcome to The Spotlight. We are your hosts, Ambassador Retired Harry Thomas. And I am the Chief Alex. Harry, today we are excited. We had uh, Teddy Chapman, a very accomplished person uh, in which uh, dedicated to the arts, has a, a bachelor's degree in theater arts from Stetson University and a master in clinical mental health counseling for University of Central Florida. Teddy also is working and there's peers in the PhD, if I'm correct, right, Teddy? Yeah, working on my PhD now. Uh, well, Teddy, welcome to the spotlight. And thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, Teddy, uh, please tell us about yourself. All right. Well, uh, so my name is Teddy Champagne. Um, I do have my bachelor's uh, in theater, and I decided to leave theater and go into mental health because to me, it combined the best of my two favorite worlds. Um, I work currently at a youth theater called Winter Springs Performing Arts, as well as at a small conservatory performing arts school called Central Florida Academy of Arts, as well as over at Theater Works on Culture Works, which is their new project. And then I also was working as a mental health counselor, but had to put that aside when I started my PhD. I got a little too busy. Um, and I... <laughs> spend my free time at home with my dog, my cat, and my girlfriend, um, you know, taking all the free time I can get to just relax and enjoy the beautiful Florida, you know, weather. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we want to hear more about you, Teddy. Did you grow up in, in this area, in Florida? Uh, why are you trying to get your PhD? What's your girlfriend's name, your dog and cat's <laughs> name? All right. So my girlfriend's name is Noelle. Uh, she's actually also in the theater world. Um, so it's nice because we share that in common. We get to work together a lot. Um, my dog's name is Titan. He's a golden retriever. He's a huge oh, wow. golden retriever, a hundred pounds. Um, and my cat's name is uh, Mr. Mistopheles, like from the musical Cats. Um, so he's uh, very cute, but a little annoying sometimes. Uh, I did grow up in Florida. I grew up in Winter Springs. So I actually performed as a kid at the same youth theater I work at now. Oh, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah. So I kind of came full circle. Um, so yeah, I live, I mean, right down the street from my parents, which is nice. I still get to see them a lot too. Um, and I decided to get my PhD, um, pretty much kind of for the same reason we ended up starting that culture work started, um, for the theater community is, you know, going through my master's degree and existing as a mental health counselor, you kind of learn about a lot of the, the prejudice and the oppression and the underrepresented groups and the, a lot of knowledge that, you know, counselors aren't getting in their education. And, you know, I'd really love to, to work to kind of rectify that in the future so that counselors are more prepared to work with these groups, you know, and they're not causing as much harm as they can sometimes now if they don't have the right education. Oh, wow. Uh, well, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you, you were doing your PhD and kind of go with the arts. So what 
allow you know what make you go with the arts you know uh, some <laughs> people just grow for that uh, uh mm-hmm. yeah i mean i've been from, i've been doing theater since i was oh gosh in like second grade um so i started in performing and then i you know in high school did more directing and choreography music directing kind of on the back side of things um and then i started working as a teaching artist at like the orlando repertory theater and the orlando Ra- uh, shakespeare theater um uh, and then that kind of led to, you know, I've done some work like producing musicals on myself at Young Artists Theater. Um, and then I took my love of theater being kind of the spearhead for having these conversations about, you know, ourselves and our world around us. And I took that and kind of brought it into the counseling world as well, because theater can be so therapeutic. And so I kind of tied those two things together just in a more direct way in the counseling office. Hey, Teddy, can we go back for a second? Um, Something you said really caught my attention when you were saying that counselors were doing harm Mm -hmm. and because they weren't trained properly. Can you expand on that, please? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, counselors, uh, it's hard because you can't know everything about everything. You know, that's impossible. But counselors really have people who walk in their door all the time who, you know, sometimes are outside their, their knowledge area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be, it can be hard because particularly with like the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. I mean, you can do harm to a client within the first few seconds of meeting them by invalidating their identity before you even get a chance to say to them, you know, like, I don't think we're a good fit. Let me refer you to someone who's better. Like um, it's, it's such a hard field to be in because you are working with uh, people and often vulnerable people. And, you know, if you're not staying on top of the language and, you know, all of that type of stuff, you can, you know, you can hurt people who have come to trust you very quickly. Um, okay. Teddy, one second. Let's go back for our listeners. Yeah. Inval- invalidate. There. Mm-hmm. Can you expand on that? Yes. So a lot of the times, I mean, particularly with the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. but even people of color, mm-hmm. you know, if you feel like your experience isn't being recognized and honored and is being viewed as insignificant mm-hmm. when it's so important to you, um, you know, it really can break a lot of trust and a mm-hmm. lot of counseling and theater. And I mean, a lot of everything in the world really relies on trust and anything that's in a group situation where you have to work person to person in a vulnerable way you have to trust each other. And if you feel like that person isn't recognizing something that's so significant to you, then it's really hard to trust them, you know, so that invalidation shows up there. Well, thank you for that expansive answer. And I think our listeners are learning a lot, which is the purpose of the program. Oh, good. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, the idea is to have a conversation in a way where we have fun, but at the same time, it becomes educational to our audience, mm-hmm. regardless who's listening. So thank you for, for that. Absolutely. Uh, going back to the arts, because uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have a little one. I must say that when she was growing up, all I hear her is singing and acting mm-hmm. and, and singing, and which is funny because I was pushing her to, you know, to... Um, uh, go to major in arts and all of a sudden she stopped. I don't know why, but you know, I guess it's when you father, you know, your father is telling you that you should do something or do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but 
uh, you mentioned a couple of jobs and, you know, you were doing some production, but can you go a little bit more in detail, in details about, you know, what, what kind of production, what type of jobs, uh, mm -hmm. the different type of job or the challenge that you were facing to the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, I think my first ever theater job was working as a choreographer while I was still in high school. So I would come up with the dances and teach them, um, often working with, you know, younger productions. So if I was a high schooler, I'd be teaching to, you know, the elementary, middle school aged kids dances for their shows. Um, and then from there, I branched out to um, teaching artist work, which is um, primarily working in a way where you're kind of combining like the arts and education. So we would take themes and we would take theatrical elements like learning how to speak clearly, you know, project your voice and having that kind of stage presence. But it was usually with kids who weren't like, I want to be a performer when I grow up. You know, they were there to have fun and there to have a good time. And we were just infusing all the good lessons you learn about being a human, you know, from the arts to them. Um, and I did that for mostly over the summer, but for quite a few years um, throughout college and a little bit outside of college, because uh, those are my favorite things to do is to the kind of combine arts and education. And that's what I did at the Orlando Repertory Theater and the Orlando Shakespeare Theater. Um, and then I created the Young Artist Theater, which um, I kind of had multiple hats there because, you know, I founded it. So I also was kind of like the artistic director. I'd pick shows. I'd have to look at budgets, make sure that we could afford the rights, make sure we could afford the buildings to perform it in. You know, if we had to pay people, if we had to get costumes, set pieces, we would really rely a lot on um, donations of set pieces and volunteers. Um, And I put that together primarily to work with other people who are my age at the time, which was like a kind of a young college aged uh, student, because there wasn't a lot of theater in this area at the time that was geared towards that age group. It was a lot of like youth theater. And then there was like professional, you know, older community theater. Um, but there wasn't a lot of theater for those people who were kind of in that college, like just got out of high school aged realm. So I was like, I guess I'm going to be that. So <laughs> I put that together and we did uh, a couple, quite a few shows, um, a lot of musicals, because I'm very much a musical theater person. So we did like Heathers, you know, a little bit more of like the raunchy musicals that um, you don't get to do at youth theater. Um, and then that kind of died down when I went to get my master's since I, I uh, didn't have the time to maintain it. But now there's a lot of new theaters in the area. So there's not as much of a need for it anymore as there used to be, which is great. I'm really happy that that was, that was filled. And that's been a, a good chunk of my theater jobs other than working, you know, while I was in my degree and things like that. And my job now, which is just directing at a youth theater, which is always fun. I love working with the kids. So Teddy, we now understand why you majored in theater arts, but you sound like you must have also majored in business administration since you're running stuff. <laughs> Are you a small business person? <laughs> I would say kind of, yeah, but I definitely didn't major in it. I just kind of learned as I went along and, you know, picked up tricks of the trade and reached out for a lot of help from people. And uh, it was tough, but definitely worth it. So. No, we're not going to let you just, we're not going <laughs> to let you just get away that easy, Teddy. <laughs> Tell us about the business, Teddy. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because, yeah, I definitely had no no formal business training. I still don't really have, have much. Um, 
but, you know, I would sit down with my dad's, you know, very much a business person. And I would always sit down with him and the biggest focus for me was always on the budget and just making sure that at the end of the show, we at least came out even like, you know, it's really hard to make money as a small business as like theater business, especially. So I would always just try to find that balance of, okay, well, how can we come out in the end, at least having not like lost anything. Um, but I mean, you're exciting it, Alex. Yeah. You're exciting, Alex, now that you're talking about business. Yeah. So I'm going to turn it over to the businessman and let him ask you some questions. Uh, now, I was thinking while you were talking, I'd say, what are your challenges when you're putting a production? Of course, mm -hmm. you know, you got to pay people, but you got to, you want to put a great product, of mm -hmm. course, right? And yeah. you want to entertain because... I'm assuming that once you, you know, you don't do a good product, they don't come back, you know. Yeah, obviously. that's true. So what is your challenge when you put in, having that balance between, okay, I need to raise money, but I also, I need to make it in a way that is affordable, but in a mm -hmm. quality production. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's so challenging. I mean, it's really, you know, it's hard because, you know, you have to first pick the right show You have to find the right people to be in it, you know, so that you have the right talent. Um, and then you have to try to balance, you know, the venue space, picking the right venue and how much is that going to cost versus, you know, how big of a set do you need? And can you get away with having a cool concept that requires minimal set, you know, but it still mm -hmm. plays out as being a cool factor in the show. And I always found that to be the most successful is, People think they have a great product if you get a good cast and it's the right cast for the show and they're successful and you, you know, utilize the concept of the show as being minimal to kind of get away with have it without having to build giant sets and being very elaborate. Um, you kind of pull what you really need to bring the audience into the world and then you kind of let everything else fall away and let the actors fill in the gaps. Um, That's what I found to be the most most successful successful in trying to balance it and still get a good product that people want to come back and see. So, in other words, in pl in a place like Polk, for example, mm -hmm. you know, uh, less and small is more. Yeah, Where, a lot of the times. Wow, the, I would not think that's the case, but okay. Go yeah, ahead, I mean, Harry. it's yeah, especially in theater. Sometimes people forget that you know, even just having a good performance with n not all the glitz and glam and flash can be really, really moving. I am more than impressed and you're on your way to becoming a millionaire, Teddy. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Brett Shear was behind me in college mm. and it took him many, many years. I remember seeing him in San Francisco uh, in Oakland when he was uh, starving, mm -hmm. just doing sets. And now, of course, he's a multi <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. So what's going what's to make it before Teddy is a multimillionaire, <laughs> theater director, winning Emmys, Tonys, Oscars like Brett? <laughs> That'd be cool. But I love what I do, you know, regardless of, regardless of the fame and fortune behind it, which is, which is really all you can ask for in life, you know? Come on, don't be humble, Teddy. You got parents, <laughs> you got a girlfriend. You got that, and the dog is expensive to feed. Oh, he is. Oh, you he know? is. He eats a lot. <laughs> yes, bet, definitely bet stability bills is too. Nice. Bet bills, too. <laughs> yes, yes, yep. Especially with both him and the cat now, it's like, oh, takes up a lot of the money. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Now back to The Spotlight. And we're back to The Spotlight with Teddy Champagne. Teddy was talking about soon to be a doctor, Teddy Champagne. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. I can I can relay how much work you're doing because uh, my wife is working on her doctorate too, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm I have realized that I don't count anymore. It's all about the books <laughs> and, the, and the classes. So yeah, I, I can see how much work you put in it. But well, only Alex would say that before Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> 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 Good cash. <laughs> I guess so. I'm in trouble once I hear this one. <laughs> but Teddy, uh, please talk about a little bit about Theater Works, how you got involved with Theater Works, what Theater Works is, mm-hmm. what are they doing in Polk County and so forth, please. Yeah. So Theater Works Florida is a theater that ex- that's in Polk County. So they do, you know, your usual theater things, what they do with shows. You know, they do have uh, a lot of programs. But primarily what I loved about Theater Works Florida when I found them was that they have a lot of programming that they've gotten through the National Endowment for the Arts, where they get grants to do work that's benefiting different communities. So previously they've done one that was like for veterans. Um, and this right. this time around, you know, uh, Scott Cook was like, you know, where we're kind of struggling right now in the theater world is with, you know, people of color, the LGBTQIA community, disabled people, even women in theater, and these kind of underrepresented communities that are finally speaking up about not feeling heard and represented. Um, And he was like, you know, we should do something about that. And I saw uh, their kind of uh, advertisement looking for people to to be part of it, um, to be part of this program called Culture Works. And I read it and me and my girlfriend were both like, that's like me in a nutshell. Like that is everything that I exist for. Um, and so I was so excited to 
to even just be any part of it. And so I've been very, very blessed to be given the opportunity to be the program director of something like Culture Works and to be connected to such a prominent theater like Theater Works Florida and to be able to have um, this kind of coming into fruition now. Um, and so Culture Works uh, primarily has kind of three components. So we have one that's uh, internships, which is we're, we're looking to give opportunities for underrepresented communities and marginalized communities in the theater world to get job experience so that they can move into these positions and start to rectify, you know, the fact that we have kind of this imbalance of a lot of white male cisgender people working in the theater world. And we can start to get some more, some more colors and flavors up in there, which will lead to, you know, more diverse products in the end. Um, and then they have a performance they're adding to their season, uh, Ain't Misbehavin', which is a wonderful piece about the African-American jazz. And so they're bringing in a lot of performers and artists for that who are people of color, which is an awesome opportunity for them to work as well. Um, and then the last piece, which is the one I'm really, really excited about is called Creative Voices. And it's basically bringing people in to share their experience and then taking their experiences and crafting monologues and songs and building a performance about their experiences to present to the public so that they can get an understanding of what it's like to be in this, this situation. And I've heard so much about how this played out in Vet Voices and how much people learned from the veterans. And I'm so, so, so excited to see what comes out of this one and how much people will learn about, you know, people's personal experiences living in kind of marginalized and underrepresented communities and the microaggressions they experience. And um, it's all my favorite things about how transformative theater can be for a community. So I'm super pumped about everything they're putting together and to come out of the pandemic into this is just like coming out strong, swinging and punching. And I think that's really what you gotta be doing these days. And so I think it's gonna be such a great kickoff to being back. I, I tell you, you mentioned that uh, uh, Harry's wife uh, attended to one of the shows of Theater Works I, I took in there. And actually, my wife was part of Bet, the the Bet, uh, the Bet Theater that oh, nice. Scott did. So my wife, I saw my wife being very shy and all of a sudden be leading and talking. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I, it's incredible how the transformation, but you're right about that. Yeah, it's crazy what theater can bring out in people. Like, you would never expect it, but it really does change so much about people. They get more confident, they speak louder, they feel more comfortable with themselves. It's truly incredible. Well, I, I'm excited. I hope I get to see it. You know, uh, Alex, Teddy, you know, Andy Rassoff with Hubie Blake uh, wrote a lot of the songs for Ain't Misbehaving. Mm -hmm. And his father was one of the first African American diplomats. Wow. Strange story. You know, and he was jailed by the French for, for demanding his rights while he was a diplomat. Mm -hmm. um, and Lorraine Hansberry, of course, raising the sun had to hide the fact that she was gay. Yeah. And, you know, so there are so many plays. Um, My wife just just uh, correct me. Sorry, Harry. It said bet voices is the right term that she mm -hmm. participate. Go ahead, Harry. Sorry. No, you know, hey, it's Mother's Day, and you're you're already <laughs> you're already below the Mendoza line, anyway. So, um, we're really looking forward to to seeing these these plays. I, I just think 
they are transformative. They change mm-hmm. children's lives, adults' lives. I got to see cats in the Philippines. You know, wow. uh, Leia Salonga in the lead role. Oh, yes. Love her. You know, what a Miss, Miss Vietnam. Um, so cultural works, theater works, mm-hmm. y- young artists. How many hours are in the day for Teddy <laughs> Champagne? <laughs> a lot. I mean, I work pretty much from eight in the morning till eight or nine at night every day. I mean, every day of the week, even Saturday <laughs> at rehearsals. Um, so it's it's long and it's tiring, but when it's, you know, but I love doing it and especially working with young people um, and working on passion projects like, like culture works and working with people like mm-hmm. Scott, I mean, it fills you back up. So it gives you the energy to keep going and pushing through the long hours. Well, I hope you and your list, our listeners know Fordham University has a, a program with uh, Alvin Ailey Theater mm. where kids can go combined and most of them are not going to become professional dancers, <laughs> but they end up getting a degree and a lot enter um, uh, the dance industry in ways. So there are all kinds of ways that uh, that can happen. What, what, cha- what transformations have you seen in the young kids that you've worked with? Mm-hmm. Primarily, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of what Alex mentioned with his his wife, this kind mm-hmm. of shy, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of hesitant to like mm-hmm. embrace themselves and be mm-hmm. vocal about who they are. And as they start to get older and as they spend more time in the theater, you see them really kind of embrace their cre- their creativity. And, you know, theater kids, we kind of have that like bad rep for being like weird. But, <laughs> but like <laughs> these kids become OK with embracing their weirdness and they being unique and that that's totally OK. And I think that they just end up becoming some of the most spectacular people because of that. And they're not afraid to speak up when something's going wrong and when they feel like there is an injustice because they've been taught, you know, to be fearless because they have to get on stage, you know, and bear their souls sometimes to audiences. And after you do that, like really nothing can be scary. Uh, and so they really, I've seen so many kids come out of this program and, you know, bad anxiety and, you know, sometimes mental health stuff or, you know, struggling with accepting themselves as an LGBTQ person. And, you know, they come out of it and they're always just so strong and so that like resilient and it's just, I don't know, you know, where else you can get that out of kids. It's just amazing. Well, help us a little bit and we'll get back to Alex. Why do kids struggle to accept themselves as members of the LGBTQI community? You know, I think there's kind of a combination of things. I think that parents, you know, obviously have a factor in it. If you have uh, unaccepting parents, you know, who will put you down or who won't accept that in their household, you know, kids will always want to please their parents and they always want to be accepted by their family. And so it's really hard to go against that and to then be who you are if that's not something that's accepted in your household. And then there's also, you know, depending on where you live, it can be really hard to find supportive peers too. I mean, in theater, we're lucky and we tend to have a lot of really supportive LGBTQI allies. Um, but if you live in a small, conservative, rural area, it can be really hard to find other peers who are like you, too, to kind of, you know, join forces and get through it together. It can be very isolating. You can feel really alone. And that, that's really hard to work through. You know, when I was in graduate school, so many kids, way before you were born, <laughs> so, many, so many kids came to New York City to go to school, not as much for the school 
mm-hmm. but to become invisible or free. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we can really relate to that. Yeah. We're lucky that it's moving. I mean, I think that we're seeing more and more areas starting to open up and accept and be, you know, more loving of the LGBTQIA community. But we also, you know, I feel like sometimes take three step bo- steps forward and two steps back. And well, if you, if you, if you live the places Alex and I lived overseas, it's 20 steps back. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> breaks my heart. I hope we get there one day, but yeah, it's just, it's slow progress and it's hard because now with social media, kids know, know all of it. You know, mm-hmm. we used to be kind of shielded from that because we didn't have phones and not, you know, constant access to news. But now it's like kids know that there are people out there who hate them because of who they are. And, you know, how do you cope with that when you're so young you don't really have the tools. So that's hard. That's a good point. Uh, but I, 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 do you think that then uh, the arts allow them to cope with that in a way where, where uh, provide a venue where they can express and be themselves, even though if it was, if it's for a period of time, which is mm-hmm. to play, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I really think that arts, if anything, sometimes gives them an escape, you know, because when you're on that stage, you're not being yourself, you're being somebody else. It gives you a time to like step away and breathe and absorb this kind of fantastic energy around you that you get from the, the other people on stage and the audience and all the lights and costumes. And I mean, it really gives them sometimes a break from the heaviness of reality, which is what they need to just be able to push through. But it also is, I mean, theater is a team sport. Like you have to, you know, work together to make it successful. And that type of camaraderie often is, you know, I think what really gets kids through it and is the best coping tools that they have each other. And that is those relationships are just, I mean, they last forever. It's crazy. You know, it's one thing that I, that I noticed, my wife took me to a drag queen uh show right and yeah and actually i was sending picture to harry and but one thing that i noticed in all of them was when they were performing they took it very ser- serious mm-hmm. they took it very professional they took it as their craft yeah and and it was incredible to see their their face you know when they're because i i was sitting down in an area where i can see where they were ready to come out mm-hmm. and then to perform and you can tell, like, they're psyching themselves up to, and I was like, oh, my God, they are really doing a job. You know, you can see mm-hmm. their impression. That, so I was very impressed with the way they were doing it. You know, I mean, we have fun, mm-hmm. but it was uh, very impressive. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, my wife and daughter ended up uh, going to the show here in, in, in Tampa. But what Alex doesn't know is that my youngest nephew is a professional drag queen. <laughs> that's cool yes he is and he I majored just find in, out right now look at that <laughs> uh, he's, he majored in theater arts and um, he, he is uh, we've been to his shows lives in New York but he's wow. I've been to a show in South Carolina and uh, in New York our whole family went and uh, he's, he's very happy and we're happy uh, for him and he has uh, become a very good designer of dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a, they have a lot to do. Yeah, so you. Yeah. I was impressed with the amount of work that it took for them to put a show seriously. I mean, I, yeah. that was like hard work. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, drag queens are very hardworking performers. It's crazy. You don't always think of everything that goes into it. But yeah, they got to design their outfits and their makeup and their hair and put together the performance. And it's mind blowing. Well, you know, you know, as as I'm prejudiced because of my nephew. So RuPaul, look out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) RuPaul, look out. Preach. All right. That's all I got to say. Yeah. It is. um, It really is great how the world is opening up America, Europe. But, you know, Teddy, when we lived in Zimbabwe, it was dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. You can't have a parade. Mm -hmm. We would we would have open spaces at my residence, Canadian, Brit, Danish for the LGBTQI community, Mm -hmm. some of whose parents would say it's okay. Um, have a child, then you can, we'll accept you as gay and other things, but that's, it, it, it would be even more, uh, it's dangerous, mm-hmm. dangerous, yeah. physically, uh, dangerous. So when you're at the, um, St. Pete, uh, my wife and her friend who Alex knows Melody was one of our earlier guests are working on the St. Pete pride parade now, which will oh, be nice. June, June 5th, uh, where Melody will have a booth. And I think about how great that is, but I also think in Harare, where Alex and I had, where the person would get killed. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm hoping the world will keep catching up, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely slow. Even in the United States, it's still slow. But we're very lucky that we're able to do that and, and be able to celebrate, you know, ourselves and who we are and who we love. And yeah. We're celebrating. We're going to take a short break. And we'll be right back. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Join us every week for the Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. The Ambassador is host Harry Thomas, and the Chief is host Alex Morales. Together, they bring you different views on today's challenges, from politics to education, security, defense, and the economy. The Ambassador and the Chief, along with their guest experts, outline new perspectives and lively discussions. Tune in to the Spotlight on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Now back to the spotlight. And we're back to the spotlight with Teddy Champagne, soon to be Dr. Teddy Champagne. And we're going to talk now about that part of your life. Uh, it is our understanding that you're pursuing a PhD uh, at Walden University. Please, mm-hmm. uh, what make you 
uh, pursue a PhD while you're doing all this other stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think that a lot of it really was, you know, again, very similar to why I, I decided to join the Culture Works family was, you know, I really want to make a difference and I really want to change the kind of environments that we have and the systems that we have to make them better for the younger generations. So when they come up, they're not going through the same struggles that we're going through now, you know, and, and in the theater world, you know, culture works is starting to rectify that. And so in the counseling world, I was like, you know what, there was a lot of things broken with my master's education, things we weren't taught, things that we all had to kind of figure out on our own. Um, And being in the counseling profession, I kind of started to realize, I was like, this is, there's some things missing. There's some gaps that we need to fill with research. And there's, you know, some education here that's missing. And I'm one of those people that I'm very like, if I can't find, you know, someone else who does it, I'm going to be that person. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back and get my PhD. And I'm going to be that person who's going to do the research and educate, you know, counselors and counselors in training on how to better work with these populations so that, you know, in the future, when, you know, people go to counselors as a person of color or an LGBTQIA person or a disabled person, that, you know, they're met with the right care, you know, and they don't leave with any type of invalidating experience or harmful experience. And, and they can find care because right now it's really hard to find counselors who specialize in some of these things. It can be nearly impossible, um, especially with insurance and the financial issues and, oh, it can be a whole mess. So, I'm going to get my PhD primarily to work um, kind of in the education system to help help train counselors on, you know, how to work better with all populations and not just, you know, white, heterosexual, you know, uh, middle class <laughs> people, because <laughs> that's very small population of what we actually see in the counseling office, like really, really a small portion of it. Hey, Teddy, thanks so much for that answer. So are you going to work at the tertiary or secondary level as a counselor? Um, so I would probably be working in, uh, I'd ideally like to work at, with like master's level students. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have kind of yet to decide whether or not I'd continue also working as a mental health counselor on the side. Um, it depends because I'm trying to balance obviously my two loves of counseling and theater. And so I would always love to have a theater job and, and a counseling job. And it, you know, has kind of been a big giving, give and take and learning process and how to balance all that. Oh, Teddy pulled an Alex. His two loves when she has a girlfriend. Noel, but that's okay. Three loves. Three loves. <laughs> okay. yeah. oh, little Alex here, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know. Keep jabbing. Keep jabbing. <laughs> hey, he's been giving it to me all week, you know. So, you know but I, I want to say this, though. Um the challenge, of course, is we see when we're overseas with special needs kids and mm-hmm. speech therapists, there's just not enough of them. Yep. So yeah. how do we encourage more young people or middle-aged whomever to become counselors? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that one of the really best ways to just encourage people into joining the field or, you know, speech, speech language pathology, any type of helping profession you know, is really just to cultivate their their empathy for people to start. And I, this is one thing I love about theater is it really helps cultivate that empathy for people who are different from you, you know, and their experiences and learning how to put yourself in their shoes and see, 
you know, the changes that could be made, the ways that you can help each other, lift each other up. Um, and I think that that always kind of leads to, you know, people wanting to help and wanting to bring their passions into a helping field. And I have found that also the more that kids have been exposed to mental health, like literacy at a young age, the more passionate they get about it. And then the more of them want to become counselors. It's actually very interesting working with uh, as a counselor to a lot of high schoolers. I would hear so many of them wanting to become counselors because they would struggle with mental health and then they would start researching mental health and they've been finding gaps in the like the counseling system that they want to fill. So now they want to be counselors so they can fill those gaps in the system. And uh, so I'm kind of hoping that our new kind of efforts to promote mental health literacy and mental health awareness at a young age and that combined with embracing, you know, empathy and understanding others and being aware of different worldviews, we'll, we'll start to push this new generation into the, you know, the helping professions, nursing, counseling, speech language pathology, anything that can, you know, help society be better. You know, uh, you mentioned something that caught my attention, but I'm going to present it to you in a different way because mm-hmm. I was reading a couple articles. Do you think United States is facing, it's in, a, it's in a time where it's facing a lot of mental health issues that is, has not been addressed? or is fell into a dress? I mean, yeah, I really do. Especially, well, especially with the pandemic. I mean, I think before the pandemic, we were, we definitely kind of had a system that wasn't quite working for us, but even, but with the pandemic now, so many more people are experiencing mental health, mental health issues with, you know, the lack of jobs and having to stay inside and be isolated from people. You know, there's been such a rise in distress And, you know, we don't have enough counselors to deal with it. You know, counseling is expensive. Not a lot of insurance covers it. If you don't have insurance, you know, it's even more expensive. If you have a type of crisis, you know, there's not a lot of good ways to to deal with that other than going to a hospital, but the hospital system's not necessarily built for this. Um, And so I definitely think the pandemic has highlighted a lot of the changes that we need to make. so we're trying, I think it's a slow, slow, so slow journey, but I think that a lot of, a lot of the flaws have kind of come to light as we've been coming out of this pandemic and seeing, you know, a lot more people with distress and mental illness symptoms and things like that. So I, I have a question now that, cause I think we, Harry and I have been talking to this and Harry teach uh, university of uh, Yale university. And and one of the questions I asked, and I got, you know, two that finished college and one freshman. And sometimes I ask, why are these kids so stressed out? You know, what it is, you know, what it is, because I remember myself growing up, you know. I, mm-hmm. Of course, I don't understand social media part, you know. Yeah. And, and, and not a, you know, I don't have Facebook and I don't do social media much but why it is that this kids are being so stressed out do you know or do you have an idea or um I can give you my kind of like educated guess just from what I've seen and what I've heard is I really think that kids these days are so aware of what's going on in society I mean they know everything that's happening and that type of awareness is I mean very daunting for a young kid you know the fact that it's it's a terrible like job you know industry right now it's hard to get a job you have to get a very high education often to get a job that pays a living wage 
Um, and kids are becoming aware of these things at a younger age now, you know, and it's like you talk to kids in high school about what they want to do. And it used to be kind of like about passion. And now it's more about like survival, like, well, I have to get a, you know, this type of job to be able to live this type of life and get a house and, you know, even houses now for a lot of young people feel like such a distant dream because it's so hard to work towards that. And I think social media does bring this, you know, a connection to all of the realities of the world, sometimes too early before they have the brain capabilities to process it. Uh, and so I think there's just too many expectations and pressures set on them for them to, to know how to handle uh, so yeah, they're definitely much more stressed out at a younger age. And I see that all the time at the theater and at the school I work at. I mean, they have such high standards. They're working to me at all times because that's kind of where you have to be right now to make it in society. At least that's the, the perceived kind of notion. Teddy, well, you've described the challenge, but social media is not going away. Mm-hmm. So how do counselors, how do parents, Mm -hmm. um, relatives, how do we help our youngsters cope with the anxiety and the challenges that they have, especially when not there's, as you said, insufficient number of mental counselors? Mm -hmm. How do I keep from invalidating my child by error? Mm -hmm. You know, how, how do I, how do we help them? Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard. I always say, you know, just promoting wellness over perfection. I mean, as a parent, it's just really taking the things your kids say, you know, seriously. I think that some parents are really quick to be like, well, it's a kid, you know, and kind of brush off their feelings um, or dismiss or invalidate what they're feeling. But what kids are feeling is very real. Um, and it's a good thing to start having conversations with them about and getting them comfortable with talking about and being open about Um, so they don't feel like they have to hide it because accepting and acknowledging it is like a huge first step in working towards solving it. Um, and I always say that, you know, it's important to help kids find, you know, the joy and the fun and the child, you know, again, in them. And I even say this to adults, like connecting to your inner child and going back to the things that you used to love. I even say like, get a McDonald's happy meal, play with the toy that's in it, you know, like (laughs) the little things that used to make you so happy, you know, it's bringing those back into play, even with, you know, teenagers is just taking a break from the world, you know, like SATs can wait, college can wait, you know, find what you love and just focus on that. Um, That can be really helpful um, as well. And just as a parent staying on top of, uh, you know, I think like with the LGBTQIA community and uh, that type of thing is just staying on top of the growth and the changes in that type of world, you know, because the more you know about what's changing and what's happening, the more you can be accepting of your kid. If that's something they end up going through, you know, their struggles, you know, you know, the different identities and things like that. And that can, that can help them feel more comfortable talking to you. Teddy, this is the second time you've mentioned staying on top of the changes. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So lately, and I think this is kind of something that is stumbling everybody, is there's been a lot more, I think particularly with gender, there's been kind of this new 
gender variance kind of uh, non-binary mm-hmm. uh, wave that's been happening where, I mean, they've, people, they've always been there. There's always been non-binary people, yeah. but they're definitely coming into the open more and starting to be more vocal about it. And because of that, kids are learning about those identities at a younger age and are able to vocalize like, oh, that's how I identify. Like, like I'm non-binary and I didn't even know that existed until I was 22. So I wasn't able to put that into my language at a younger age. And I kind of wish that I was had had that because it would have saved me so many years of struggle. Um, and now kids do have that. But if parents, you know, don't know what that is and they're not staying on top of the new language and the fact that this is very much so a growing part of our culture, then it can be very easy to dismiss it. Thank you, Teddy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <clears throat> I mean, I'm being... I'm coming to school here today. So <laughs> this, is, uh, this is incredible. So, uh, so talking about counseling in the arts, mm-hmm. do you think in the United States or perhaps and you know should be more inclusive with the arts in the education curriculum, in which it won't be a. a an art class, you know, and not mm-hmm. an art club or, you know, it would be like a PE or like it's something where education will be parallel with the arts. What mm-hmm. do you think? I definitely think that art should always be included in, the education, in education. I think bringing arts into the classroom can make a lot of academic subjects more accessible because it really brings the kids, makes them more involved. And I also think that we should encourage all kids to be involved in the arts because there's so much that they learn from it and so much that they can benefit from it just in life skills, not even if they want to be, you know, artists in the long term. And so the fact that we've moved away from encouraging arts amongst our students has been disheartening for me. Um, and I hope that we can start to turn that around and, and bring it back as being a requirement and being something that kids are um, required to experience and incorporated into all their classes so that they do have, you know, more of a well-rounded education uh, moving forward. Well, Teddy, we're about to finish our episode. We could be talking to you uh, the whole another hour, (laughs) but I'm going to leave it to the ambassador to close it out. And uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I want to thank you for educating us. Mm-hmm. Not only in the arts, but in everything, the LGBTQ community. And Harry. Hey, Teddy, thank you so much. Uh, we've learned a lot about theater, about culture, and we are so pleased that you're able to live the life that you choose. So as Dr. King says, the moral arc bends toward equality. And it's, it may be slow, but it does bend. Mm-hmm. The politics of no is losing always throughout history. So thank you for being a guest. Thank you for your smile. And we hope your answers didn't get you in trouble with Noel. <laughs> thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And this was the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning into The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. Be sure to join Chief Alex Morales and Ambassador Harry Thomas again on the Voice America Variety Channel.